Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't get slapped like your mom uh, You said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? It doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bagged and Board cast, episode number 149. You're Chris. I am Chris, and you're John. I'm John. That's Paul over there, too. Hey, that guy's Paul. He's just waving now. He's not on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> Probably hear him laughing, though. <laughs> what, do, what do we do here, Paul? Oh, we come at our listeners in three segments, the first being The Week in Geek. Bring- three ways you're terrible at this. <laughs> I, I wanted to say it my way, darn it. He's sick of doing things your way. This is the, this is, It wasn't even your intro. <laughs> it was all stolen from you. We're changing everything. That's why I do it, because Paul says segments, not ways. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> What's the first segment, though, Chris? I never do the first one. I know. Oh, weird. Well, we always start off with the Week in Geek, which is the top news happenings for the geeks and all of us. Then we go into the list. No! Paul, what do we do next? <laughs> then we do the list. Bring you the top books we're most looking forward to <laughs> this <so> week, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is December 5th. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Then we do... Uh, main yeah. topic. It's a, it's a rotating main topic, and this week it is the monthly look back the books that came out during December. <laughs> November, <laughs> November. Man. Oh, man. That, was, that man. was really stressful. Other people's segments are not easy to <laughs> no. do. Guys, let's never do that again. <laughs> I think we need to start over, or I, start drinking I a think lot we more. Just start drinking and continue on with our winter holiday beers. We've got two more coming at you tonight. Uh, first up is from Full Sail. They are a uh, brewery based out of Oregon. And I saw this and I thought, hey, this looks cool. Oh, uh, they're actually from Hood River, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So this is this is us being a little bit more hood today. Um, it's Full Sail. It's the Wassail. It's their uh, winter ale, part of their pub series, available for 90 days only. Um, I picked this up because I was like, yeah, you know what? It's hard to find Christmas beers that can live up to what we expect from a Christmas beer. So a winter ale, that'll be that'll be good enough. I think it works. And I think it works really well. Um I think it definitely is a beer it needs it's it's a right now it's cold. It it needs to warm up just a little bit and I think yeah. a lot more of those spices are gonna come out. I like this just as is as a uh, Paul, I think you said it best right when you took your first sip of it. Yeah. It it has a it hits you in the mouth with flavor. What? It's a full face of flavor. It's a full face of flavor, and you're getting wassled in the mouth. You're getting yeah. wassled in the mouth. There's nothing to wassail me away from this. <laughs> I really like this. I would put this probably <laughs> over uh, the Blizzard Bock that we had last week mm-hmm. from Flying Bison. It has a and lot. That of, was really good. Has a lot of punch on the back end. Mm-hmm. It makes you kind of want to pucker up a little bit. Gets those jowls going. It's a little. It's got a little. A little bitter on the tongue, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's good. I I really enjoy this. I'm kind of sad that this is only available for uh, 90 days, and I don't know when it came out, so we could be at the tail end of those 90 Uh-oh. days. We better not be. It's not even the start of winter. Winter doesn't start until December 21st. No, winter solstice. 
It has an enjoy bite. Does, is anything written anywhere? Oh, it, mine's, it's, it's, it's printed bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah minus, minus two. Uh, oh. It says April second, uh, two thousand thirteen, for That's mine, cool. for the enjoy by date. So enjoy so. by. And this is seven point two alcohol by volume. Really? That yep. doesn't feel like it's that big no. at all. Hey, and the employees own this. Yeah, forty-seven employee owners. Yeah. I guess that's all they employ, or are there more employer employees there that don't own it? I give the other forty-seven I'm a hard time. I'm assuming that it's probably just those forty-seven employees, and they're all part owners. Man, that's kind of cool. Yeah, kind of like that's what Dogfish Head does too. Man, I need to work for a brewery. <laughs> I need to work on finishing this beer because I really enjoy it. Uh, the Dogfish Head employees too, like at the, when they pick up their paychecks, they also pick up like a case of beer. I need to get myself a job at a brewery. Uh, anybody that knows of brewery hiring in the Buffalo area, feel free to send me the uh, link, and I'll feel and I will send a resume. Oh, this uh, today's beer was brought to us by my mom too. By the way, hey, she said she wanted a shout out. She's helping to sponsor the show. Yeah, <laughs> she went, is. She's the first sponsor we've ever had on yeah, the show. I, I went. Uh, I went shopping with my mom today after we went out for breakfast, and she gave me money for beer, and I was like. Okay, cool. Wow. So, yeah. You, my, my mom bought us alcohol, guys. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But uh, uh, thanks for the beer. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Mom. And thanks to news for happening in this past week. Oh, so much news. So much news so much that news. I almost for, forget it. Uh, Bloomberg has come out and said they, there, there were sources that have come yeah. to them. And, and they are declaring that there will be a new Xbox by December 2013. Now, is this the same Xbox 720 that was kind of a, had that leaked press, like internal memo of what the wish list of what it wanted to be, the $299, there we go, numbers, I should know how to do that. Um, price point. Xbox with the better connect, with the goggles that you would put on that also had screens in them, and eight times more powerful than the Xboxes right now. They don't. We don't know because that you never really learned if that was true stuff that was leaked or just rumored stuff. And that was leaked back in 2010. Yeah, yeah that could have just been a wish list for a yeah. system. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I until Microsoft actually comes out and says. Uh, Microsoft else. sources have reported to Bloomberg that they're aiming to have a release. They're not sure. If they're Ma- Microsoft gonna... has reported Microsoft sources, so not Microsoft. Yeah. So they're well because they're not going to give away that big announcement. And they said we're probably going to sh- we might not show something at E3. We're debating whether or not to show off the system at E3 or have our own uh, launch like kind of press announcement and have a whole event dedicated around just this Xbox 720 and they're not even calling it the Xbox this next Xbox system hmm interesting so it might be at E3 it might have its own full scale circus delay circus olay uh, <laughs> what Cir- is it Cir- Cirque du Soleil sounds like the best Mexican restaurant <laughs> ever Cirque du Soleil Okay, uh, you know, Circus Olay. because that's what they did for the Connect, right? Their Connect announcement was with that. I don't they, know. At the last E3, they had a Circus Olay. Circus Olay. I can't even say it. 
without Cir- circus. circus, circus, soleil. Right? It sounds like soleil. Don't they have like it, the best gravy for their chicken? <laughs> oh, that's Swiss chalet. No, I'm sorry. Swiss chalet. That chicken sauce is delicious, and there's nowhere around. It's Cirque du Soleil. Mmm. Mmm. I forgot to do the do. That's that was my Cause problem. Because <laughs> you're so stuck on the Olay. Circus <laughs> Olay. <laughs> but uh, what else we got? Anything? I have a I have a bunch of stuff in front of me. If nobody wants to jump in with anything, no, go, go ahead. Go for it. Hey, guess what today is? Today is not Karen Berger's birthday. Well, yeah. no, it's Walt Disney's 111th birthday. Oh. Wow. And guess what also was announced today? Is he still frozen or is that just a rumor? That's all just rumors. He's buried in uh, Beverly Hills Cemetery. Beverly Hills. But guess what else was announced today? What? Netflix. Xbox, Xbox is coming out. <laughs> no. Netflix has signed a deal with Disney. Again? Again. Good. They've re-signed the deal. You're going to have to wait until 2016, though. Because Ooh. that's when Disney's current deal with Stars ends for... Uh, Oh, that's where Disney went away. And that's why Stars went away, too. So you can no longer get that stuff on Netflix. But uh, once the current deal with Stars is up in 2016, you will be seeing Disney live action and animated features again once more on Netflix. Oh, man. Go ahead, John. Is it going to be like, I mean, I know it's just just a press release now, but is it going to be like almost all of Disney's movies? They have said uh, you're going to be getting new releases. They're going to have an exclusive... uh, exclusivity deal I guess mm-hmm. with them um, for seven months after things come out in theaters so before you get it at Redbox or other streaming networks oh that's networks. really nice then um, and they have said it'll be new releases as well as library content so they will be releasing some of their older stuff online as well and they two ones that they throw out there was um, Dumbo and Alice in Wonderland just uh, to kind of give you okay. They are going further back, so it's not just going to be like, hey, Air Bud 2, guys. Because I'd love to get, like, Pete's Dragon. I haven't seen that yeah. forever. And uh, Apple Dumpling Gang. Like, have you checked to try to rent it on uh, Amazon Instant Watch? Because Amazon Instant Watch has a lot of the Disney backlog on it. No. Yeah. It's not something I would do. Really? It's, it, it's just it's a dollar that's one. That's one step too much, signing up for something else. Yeah. Netflix, as, as soon as... Like, Amazon out, doesn't have all your credit card information already. They don't. Just one-click that shit. They don't, though. <laughs> they don't do that. I've never gotten anything off of Amazon. You never bought anything off of no. Amazon? Are you Are you the two guys that have that are left that have <laughs> never bought, bought anything off of Amazon? Could possibly be. I've, I've bought in some stuff, but... There we go. I don't know. I, don't, I did the one-click the one time, and it charged me, like, $18 for shipping because it, like, shipped it overnight well, why didn't you set up your one-click properly? <laughs> you know? It just said, like, hit this. And I was like, I hit it. And I was like, your order has been set. And I was like, oh, oh okay. And then, like, I checked my bill. I'm like, it charged me more for what than what I paid for the item. I think it was like a trade or something. It was like a Hell, uh, Hellblazer trade. Hmm. And I paid, like, double the money for it. Was it not sold through Amazon then? No, it was. But it charged me. It did that over, it overnight. Shipped it to me. Oh, that's weird. And that's why I was like, I'm never doing that again. Because, well, normally it it it'll say like fulfilled by like Amazon, and then you kind of know it'll be the free shipping if it's fulfilled by any other per, uh, you know company. Usually, you're going to have to pay for shipping. It was back in the day. It was right yeah. when they started that one click button. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. 
Bull sugar. Well, also in Disney-related news, uh, Joss Whedon has announced that he has submitted his outline for 2015's Adventures sequel. Yes. Which his that outline. His outline. Which they don't say what that outline is, because... But is it going to be called Avengers Assemble? They, they don't have anything. No, yet. no tag, no. Nothing yet. Well, I think it's going to be kind of cool That's to see. That's weird. Because, like, Thor, as soon as Thor came out, didn't they have the name it's... for the next one? Thor, Dark of the... No, they just Worlds? announced that at Comic-Con. Oh, okay. So it took yeah, a while? It was, so, it, yeah, it took a while. Same. I mean, it's 2015. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to go through a couple rewrites and... You know, they're not going to announce the branding mm-hmm. two years before it's supposed to come and, out. And here's the thing. If it comes out in 2015, seven months later, hey, we might get it on Netflix, guys. <laughs> hey! <laughs> um, also, he uh, confirmed that they are still working on the S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, pilot, mm-hmm. hoping that gets picked up. And he said if it does, the uh, showrunners will be his brother, Jed Whedon. Uh, Marissa Tancharin and Jeff Bell, who he's worked with all of them on other stuff like Buffy, Angel, and uh, Dollhouse. Sorry, I'm looking at you, Paul. I know, but you're you're getting off the that's, mic. Well, that's why I got closer to my mic. There you go. But just going back to Disney and Netflix for a while, uh, just for a second, because I remember when Disney kind of went away from Netflix and they said uh, Netflix subscribers will probably leave shit because without you know the prime content, what they'll be left with is that just the swag uh, transmorphers kind of stuff. You know, and they're going to have the cheap knock- knockoffs, and that's all that's going to be there, and people are going to leave Netflix. People didn't. No, but and, numbers are down, though. Yeah, numbers were down, and also they Netflix went out and got a lot more of that cheap knockoff stuff, which was really surprising to me. Because I've seen a lot of that under the kids and family section. Yeah, like, I, I don't kid- have Netflix anymore. Kick I'm waiting for uh, Arrested Development mm-hmm. to come on. Once that Arrested Development is back on there, hey, they'll get my eight bucks a month or whatever it is. But as of right now, I don't need it. Well, I, guess. I still have it. I still pick mm-hmm. up different shows that I keep watching. I How much watching, your mother just came back out? Um, I just started watching uh, American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. I love it. Man. What, one last Disney news, or maybe some more Disney move, news, is the director or the producer uh, for the Star Wars Special Editions and also of the prequels, Rick, what's Rick his McCollum. name? Rick McCollum. <laughs> has has stepped away from... <laughs> Welcome to episode, uh, what is it? 149. 149, where Paul can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I couldn't. Since the beginning, I couldn't even <laughs> say my name. Uh, Rick McCollum has stepped away and stepped uh, down from LucasArts <clears throat> and Lucasfilm. Well, Lucasfilm. I always call it LucasArts because that was the video because game they company. The, they do the video games. And that's and you're a fan of Full Throttle. It's okay. Oh, huge. And Grim Fandango. Um, and The Dig. And Loom. And it's Day of the Tentacle. I guess it's not yeah. like a big deal anymore if people are going to be leaving Lucasfilm when... They got Disney? <laughs> when... Basically, Disney has a ton of people on staff. And, I mean, yeah, Rick McCollum's been there for everything, pretty much. The young Indiana Jones days. Yeah. So, I guess it's kind of might hurt some people, but me, eh, not not so much. I remember when I was a member of the Star Wars fan club, and he had an article in every issue of the Star Wars Insider, and I would read it. Oh, it was in the magazine. He was 
But for me, he's just a guy that works on Star Wars. I know, I could just... The special effects of Star Wars and the digital stuff that I hated. (laughs) (laughs) Adding on all those special edition digital stuff for no reason. Well, no, that's that's what George Lucas wanted, though. I know, I don't understand why. He's the guy that did it, then. Uh, Yeah. Because it's... Rick should have said, no, this is Star Wars. Yeah, okay, it's... Uh, tell, tell the guy whose movie it is that, no, you can't do that. No, you shouldn't do that. Let's think about it one more time. Let's, let's think about it again. One more time. Star Wars. <laughs> uh, it's But then it's like, eh, we can reissue everything and make even more money. Think yeah. All the toys come out again. All the lightsabers come out again. I understand the business profitability of it all. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we put it out in theaters, and people go see it again. I know, that's what I did. And then, yeah. oh, we'll put out the DVDs, and people will buy them again. No, I didn't. I didn't buy them again. I, I got them. I bought... Well, because before that, I only had them on uh, VHS. Yeah. I didn't buy the special editions on DVD. I just bought the one that came out before the... Or is that the special edition? What was the first DVD release? Was that the special? That spe- was the special edition, okay, yeah. Then, yeah. then that's all I own. I didn't rebuy the other cut because I couldn't spend any more money on Star Wars. <laughs> that's okay. They'll get your like, money one way or another, Paul. No, technically. Like when you like when you ride Star Tour seven times in a day. <laughs> okay, if you then just divide out the time I spent versus the time that it cost for the tickets, then yes, they, they did get more money. <laughs> but, uh... Also in stepping down news, from over at DC Vertigo, executive editor Karen Berger has left. Karen um, Has not said anything as to why or where she will be going. Um, she, she's very much a huge part of what Vertigo like came from and what it's got, like, done. Over 20 gone. years. 20 years. Vertigo. Since Vertigo improv. started. Yeah. Um, uh, being a vice president and then uh, the C... The uh, chief uh, creative officer, right? Is that what she is? Executive right editor. Oh, executive editor. I always forget what's the top with comic books. Like, what is it? You would think. Well, it's different because it's an imprint. I always think of. I think Shelley Bond's technically like the head of Vertigo, but I don't. It, yeah. It's so weird how the corporate structure works. Mm-hmm. I'm always. You think it's but, a lot of like because of all the shakeup that's been going on. I, I do think a lot of it has to do with. So much of the Vertigo properties have moved over to just the DC Universe proper that what do they have yeah. over in Vertigo still? But Karen was such a big proponent of getting that other books in there. You know, mm-hmm. Why the Last Man, uh, going to uh, try to get um, the guy from American... Scott Snyder? No. Uh, well, American well, Scott, Vampire. Yeah, Scott Snyder but, and yeah, American Vampire. But I was thinking of... Um, American Splendor? American Splendor. Harvey Picard. Getting him to do a book with uh, Vertigo. Um, uh, getting, going to the crime motifs and getting that uh, rapper uh, to do his book through Vertigo. The Raza? No. <laughs> not the Raza. Uh, I forget. He's uh, He was uh, shot and uh, is confined Tupac. to a wheelchair. No. Confined to a wheelchair. Christopher Reeves. There was a Vertigo book about it. We're comic book know. podcast. We should know this book. Um, but stuff like that. He, she reached out to get these non-comic book mantis people or non-mainstream comic um, book people into Vertigo. And here's the thing: away from superheroes, those books don't sell. Uh, um, why the Last Man did? Okay, why the Last Man does, but compared to everything else, 
And that was something that could have led to this too, where I think it was, uh, I read something about this online, it was over at Bleeding Cool, where they had a meeting with Diane Nelson, who kind of mm-hmm. stepped in, and it was like, why are we still publishing these books when they don't sell? It's like, well, they sell well in the, you know, collected formats. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, can we make movies or TV shows based off of them? And a big part of it is, well, no, because with the way the rights work, mm-hmm. a lot of the owners still hold on to Different. the licensing for that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So it it could be part of what shut it down as well as having stuff move over to DC that we can't make a Why the Last Man movie because... You know, so-and-so has the rights to this now. Mm-hmm. We can't do an American vampire movie because, well, Scott Snyder and Raphael Abercrombie have the rights. They don't belong to Vertigo. Mm-hmm. That, And look at how comic book movies do. Even bad ones, I mean, they still can make, you know, a couple million bucks. Yeah, but look at the value proposition that you offer a writer to come to D.C., if you have that ability to still do your own semi-creator own work why not at the same time then why not just go to Dark Horse or Image or IDW because you won't be able to get the exclusive you, you won't be able to sign those writers as exclusives Marvel does it with Icon Marvel does it with Icon but you yeah, but a lot is even Icon even still around Icon's still yeah. around but who's writing for Icon it's Brian Michael Bendis Mark Millar yeah. it's it's Marvel writers already. Mm-hmm. It's people that are already in the stable of creators. The people that work over at Vertigo, they're already writers for DC. doing a book there. We got Scott Snyder, Jeff Lemire, like those guys came from Vertigo and came to DC. Mm-hmm. And I think without having Vertigo, you might lose that you know chip, that little offer so bring to bring in indie those indie writers. writers into your fold. Which I think the only way to keep uh, superhero comics really vibrant and alive is to get those indie writers in and give that new take and get the fresh look. Because eventually that 10-year cycle happens where the superhero comic book writers are writing the same superhero comics and we're getting the same look. But just about all those big-name writers... Mm-hmm came from independent comics. Like all of it, Bendis came from independent right. comics. I mean yeah. they all they all started in that independent forum. Right. Ten year in the nineties, Bendis came over from the independent works and now he's been in the superhero cycle for ten years. Scott Snyder just, you know, basically last year, ten years after Bendis has been in the cycle. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's that it's that comic book engine that seems to be working right now. Every ten years things get a little stale so now you bring in the new blood of, of those, the independent. Those creators are still going to be out there in the in the wilds, so to speak. Right, and how do you... They're still going to be working, and you can still bring them on board into DC or Marvel from there. Well, I'm like, saying without that, like, little bit more of a, you know, bacon, you know, to top on the egg of, like, you get to write your superhero book now. Well, I still want to do my independent stuff. Oh, you can do that over at Vertigo without that chip. You know yeah, what but, I mean? Well, yeah. They're not that saying that Vertigo is gone. That's probably what it's probably going to be. It's probably going to be like an icon. I, I, I don't see Vertigo lasting though. Right. With because Diane Nelson coming in and saying, "Well, why are we even publishing these books? What are we doing with this imprint?" A lot. A lot of those books then, can just be 
published by DC now, though. That's mm-hmm. the thing. You don't have to have. I mean, you're you're a special you, art house. You're kind of you're kind of you seeing that now it. because, um, what is it? Steve Niles. He's got his Lot Thirteen, which would be a Vertigo book, mm-hmm. just being published under DC. Dial H for Hero was, or just Dial H, Dial H. was originally going to be a Vertigo book, mm-hmm. but it moved over to DC. But how the rights are held by those DC books are going to be different than how they can be held by. I don't think you're going to have DC is going to have more control now, yeah. which is what they want. Right, but the writers might not want it, and they might look and say, "Well, I can write my superhero stuff over at Marvel and still be able to publish stuff through Icon, and be able to get the best of both worlds, or not go exclusive at all, and just do just one book over at DC." And do my three others at Image and, and Dark Horse. I'm just going to mention this again. Like Steve Niles, mainly independent mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's doing this at DC. He's been pitching um, this Lot 13 for a couple years. Mm-hmm. He had it at another independent uh, uh, place, which ended up closing down. And now he came to DC to publish it. You know, it's. I think. You got to find the right spot to to work, and probably DC. They might have worked a deal to get Steve Niles into into their forum. You know, well, they worked with him before on the Simon Dark. Yeah, but that was short. That was short lived. Right. Short lived. Um, it wasn't very good either. I didn't read it, but you know, it was their foray with him. So it's not like they haven't had working with relationship with. And before, now what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, he, he's a writer that doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't go to the mainstream that often. Uh, but I think that's what I'm saying is we're going to see a trade off if we trade away Vertigo. What you're going to what you're probably going to see is those independent workers, the people that bring in the new life. Well, instead of like writing two books for DC, they'll just write the one because. Or they could just do those two books under the DC banner now, though. If Vertigo does disappear, it's because it's just being folded into the regular DC universe, much like you had with Wildstorm. No, because... Wildstorm, they they shut down all those characters. They're going to be freelance. They're not going to be exclusive, so I don't think they're going to get the deal to do two books. How many exclusive creators are at DC right now? I don't know. Because there's really not too many. It's a good question. No, because you know what? Those exclusive, they they cost money. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If you can just not sign someone to an exclusive deal, but they'll still write their books at your company because they like the characters, they like the other stuff you can offer them. If I don't know if Scott Snyder is exclusive, but if he's happy at DC because he gets to do Batman and American Vampire, Mm -hmm. okay, like and Swamp Thing, and Swamp Thing, right. And also, like he'll, he'll Justice, be happy there because and also, he's, uh, he's happy. Superman coming up. Yeah, yeah. he's gonna work on a Superman. I, I I don't think you're gonna I don't think you're gonna see writers leaving leaving DC or not going to DC. You're gonna go there because those are the characters that you want to write. Right. You know, you you want to tell these stories, just like if you have the stories that you want to tell about Marvel characters. You know, that's look, where you're that's yeah, where you're gonna go. Look at Bendis. Right. He's been at Marvel for over 10 years now. And, yeah, he was exclusive, but I don't think he's exclusive anymore. I think he's just there because he's a Marvel writer now. 
And they, they were paying him a lot to be exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I think he's... <laughs> I don't want to say anything bad about Bendis. <laughs> Not on the air, anyways. You, you think they overspent? Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say, is they're not worried about him going anywhere else because nobody else wants him to write <laughs> their books. He's an idea man, so follow through. What's What's good about the exclusivity tag is you get the writer to buy into your universe, and you get them. I think you're more likely, like Grant Morrison just left his exclusive. You know, he he didn't resign for his exclusive deal. And when uh, Brubaker didn't resign, or uh, not Brubaker, I always get him confused with oh, Greg Rucka. Greg, Rucka, yeah. Greg, Greg Rucka, it was a big deal. Like, oh man, you, you know, and then we've seen he hasn't really been back at DC since, even though he said, no, I'll still do some DC work when I want. But that's the kind of thing. You'll write the book that you want and tell the story that you want, but not do the crossover stuff, not do the big epic tale with another book, well, which not we to, see now. Not to turn this into like a whole thing about exclusive deals, but... But it is a fun you, topic. Do you want people there that long? Look at look at Grant Morrison now. Look mm-hmm. at Bendis. Do you want someone basically tenured in, and they're they're just writing because, oh, I'm, I'm here for another year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this book. Or do you, would you rather have them there because that's where they want to be? Well... Bendis still sells books. Not to us. <laughs> I know, but he's still over. He's always in that top ten, uh, well, except for the one he's, months. He's on those big books, though. Yeah, and he's on the big books. It, they're those books and that they they're gonna sell. It's, whoever's writing it, it will sell. I mean, yeah, there's people that are buying it because it's Bendis. There's people that are buying it because hey, it's what is it? Uncanny Avengers now. Uh, that's not even Uncanny Avengers well, he's, isn't he's Bendis, doing right? he's, he's doing, doing, he's doing one of them he's doing it's X-Men a, he's doing an Avengers book I don't remember what it's called though. is it the Avenging X-Men it's something like that it's the post Uncanny X-Men, X-Men is uh, Remender Rick Remender is Uncanny X-Men we read that one is it Uncanny X-Men Unca- not- uh, Uncanny Avengers I'm sorry Uncanny Avengers is Rick Remender Avengers and New Avengers is Jonathan Hickman so Avenging Avengers, Avenging Avengers, really? Is that a title? No, no. It's, it's ridiculous. See, this is what happens when okay, it's, it's just Uncanny X Men. That yeah. that's what he's doing. With Uncanny X Men is yeah. Like I was saying, what's I was trying to figure out, get back to, and figure out. Yeah, is the one done by Bendis. I don't think he's Secret Avengers. Is that still coming out? I yes. don't even know. With the black Nick Fury. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Like the, he looks like the ultimate uh, Nick Fury. Did he get his mind swiped out with a black man, like in Punisher? I don't know. <laughs> remember Punisher when they did yes, that? Yes, I have. I, don't, I have an issue of that. I don't remember it, but I remember people complaining about it. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Like I, I like that. I, your the writers have that freedom. Like Bendis, mm-hmm. not Bendis. Um, what's his name? I don't know who you're... Uh, I, yeah. Um, Gotham Central. Oh, Ed Greg Brubaker. Ed Brubaker. Oh, Brubaker. Brubaker going I was through. getting confused. See? Rucka, Brubaker. Well, they worked on Gotham Central together. They did, they? and they also did... Uh, and they both other- they both left DC to come mm-hmm. work at Marvel. And it, I, I like to see those some of those people switch those spots. Mm-hmm. You know? Like Jonathan Hickman. I'd like to see Jonathan Hickman do some DC books. Like, that would be fun if he was... You know, if there was a character that would fit him... 
Mm-hmm. I'd love to see it, you know? Him on Fantastic Four, it just seemed like a great fit. And from what Paul tells me, it was a great run on mm-hmm. Fantastic Four. So, you know, it's like those writers, I like that they're not tied down and, you know, oh, I'm stuck here for another year, they're making me write this or I have to write this. I would love to see Hickman crap. on Kirby's New God stuff. Yeah, that'd be fun. Because those are ideas and that are out there that I think Hickman would Yeah, Hickman really would do get. a good job with that. Uh, unfortunately, New God's just not one of those things I can ever get into. You know what? He'd be great on Legion. No... <laughs> Oh, that's no, right. Nobody's great at Legion. Oh, we hate Legion. <laughs> you got anything else you want to talk about? We are not Legion. Maybe the uh, Man of Steel teaser poster? I didn't even see it, because, you know what? It's a teaser poster. It's a teaser poster, exactly. Is it's, it is it going to be different than the Dark S that we already saw? Well, yeah, it's him, yeah, it's, actually, it's him handcuffed walking with like a SWAT team around him. Okay. <laughs> so it is, it is different, but not uh, a whole lot to go on, but... It, in his suit? Those look damn cool. In his cool. Superman suit? In yeah. his Superman suit. How else would you know he's Superman? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's in, like, the jeans and t-shirt. No. Like no. Grant Morrison, issue one of all action comics. No. Um, one thing I did want to mention is you have um, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman all signed on for Days of Future Past, the Brian Singer-directed new X-Men first-class movie. Um, I'm surprised that was actually considered news because that's one of those things that when I read about it, I was like, I just assumed that they were all going to be in it anyways. Uh, two other people, James Marson and Halle Berry, are being sought to come back to reprise their characters. Well, I'm not surprised Halle... Well, wait, I'm surprised Halle Berry hasn't already said yes. Because <laughs> wasn't she clamoring for an X-Men 4? Yeah, or just a, like a yeah. Storm spinoff. Mm-hmm. Um... But, you know, it's an alternate universe, so you don't have to worry about Cyclops being dead. Mm -hmm. And it does, I don't think they'd care anyways, because they don't seem to care about that kind of continuity Uh in their X-Men universe. Or any continuity in their X-Men universe. Yeah, it doesn't matter, it's just a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's been a good movie since X2. Um, But I'm, I'm interested with some people that are coming back and Brian Singer taking it on mm-hmm. you know those first two movies had a lot of heart in them pizzazz they're they're pretty pizzazzy but they got know. they they were up until a couple years ago Heart X2 and Spider-Man 2 was those movies that everybody said are the best comic book movies really Spider-Man 2 yeah yeah, uh, part I of me doesn't want to see First Class Two just out of principle, oh, or principle or spiked, Chris. No principle because I just hated the first one so much. That sounds like spiked to me, and I don't want to support it with my money. Like, like I felt bad that I you, paid to see the first one. Did, yes. Did yes, you buy the yes. DVD? No. Are you going to buy the DVD? No. Then you already told them you're not going to waste no, your but money I paid, on it. I paid for that ticket, and I don't want to support their shitty behavior <laughs> by seeing a second movie. He didn't. I, Chris, that, this, you, this, is, this is what's going on in my head, okay. Paul. This is, I understand. this is the argument I'm having okay. with myself. You liked the Watchmen movie? Yes. Did you buy the DVD? Actually, I had the DVD. I didn't buy it. Someone right. got it for me it for Christmas. Right. Uh, you liked The Dark Knight? Yes. Did you get the DVD? No. no. Because I don't buy DVDs anymore. Okay. That's 
that's just a... All right. So my argument of, well, you yeah. not buying the DVD shows that you did not support. Because if you had all the DVDs of the superhero movies you liked... No, this is basic, basically X-Men First Class beat me up over the dinner table. <laughs> now, I, I do I go home to it after work? Or do I say no, enough's enough? That's right. That's, I do I like, do I go back to dinner again? Do we have any money left over from the, buying the beer that your mom gave us? Because now <laughs> I feel like we need to donate it to a women's shelter. <laughs> That's just this movie. It, I don't want to support the Thanks first one it. by seeing the second one. But, but I, like not, Ryan's, you're so, you're, I like Brian Singer. At, at the same time, what if with, you not going I, makes the second one make less money than the first? Then I hope they learn their lesson. In, they won't no. mess with me ever again. <laughs> they won't. They won't do the third movie, even though the second one's so great. And then you watch it on DVD or on Netflix, and then you're like, "Wow, that was really good." Too bad they're not making a third movie with Brian Singer. Are Are you good? Are you? I mean, we've talked about it before about the new Wolverine movie. Would you see that? I don't know. I'm I'm half and half on it. You'll go and support Nick Cage movies left <laughs> oh, and right oh, and seek them out. Yes. You will Nick, drive angrily if to Nick drive Cage angry. Is in X Men 2 First Class 2, whatever they're calling Electric it. Boogaloo, I think it's called. Sophomore Slump, or whatever they want to call it. Does I, anybody I know? It. Oh, what if he plays a middle aged uh, Magneto? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's his daily life like? Oh, he's Quicksilver. <laughs> he's Quicksilver. Oh, I can't run perfect. anymore. <laughs> Oh, running. I'm in love with my sister. <laughs> and I'm playing Quicksilver. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it, number two, Electric Boogaloo. Does anybody know where that's actually from? Yeah, movie Breaking 2. Two Breaking 2. Yeah. Okay, just, just checking. I feel like that's one of those little facts that everyone knows now okay. because it's so used. Yeah, electric number two, Electric Boogaloo is so used, but I don't know if people actually know where it's from. Like... It's kind of like inconceivable to me. I hear it so often. I don't believe uh, people don't. Breaking Two is actually on Crackle for those of you that actually want to watch it. Oh man, is Turbo in it? Probably. All right. Hey, do you got? Do you got anything else? For no, I think we've we didn't we, we, we've we destroyed this past week. Oh, all that news. So we got to look forward to this week and the books coming out. And, John, I know you're just salivating for this book to come out. I actually really am. <laughs> I know you're super excited. Uh, Hellboy in Hell from Dark Horse Comics, written and drawn by Mike Manola. We haven't had him do both since Conquering Worm back in the 90s. Wait, didn't he do both on the Mexican wrestler one, Deus, the, the, the Day of the Dead no. issue? No? Oh. Just wrote. He hasn't. He's done art in a long time. So he is writing and doing the art for this. Um, I'm psyched. One, it's, what, a year ago is when Hellboy actually went to hell, and now we're having the story where, all right, he's in hell. Um, I think it's going to be a cool-looking one. You're going to find out a lot more secrets of... Secrets! ...of Hellboy... Um, and there is a throne awaiting him in hell. So I'm interested in all of it. It's a three-issue little mini-series. Sounds hmm. big. Paul. Oh, talking about creators coming back to do what they do best. Jonathan Hickman, I've missed him. He's been gone too long. A month? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, he's finally back writing. Wait, you don't really have to worry because aren't like these books coming out every other week? Yeah, yeah. He's got no, no. I don't think uh, the new uh, Avengers doesn't start until 2013. So I don't think Avengers comes out bi-weekly. I think it's just Avengers and the new Avengers every other week with Jonathan Hickman. Isn't that how it's working? I don't know. I don't. Rem- I don't I'm know. not a Marvel fanboy. I do but, not uh, know. He's a Jonathan Hickman fanboy. Yes, I am. And he is writing Avengers, number one coming out this week. Art by Jerome, Jerome Opinia. How's the art? Uh, I don't know. I haven't read it yet because that's a lie. We're recording this on yeah. Wednesday. I already gave away the date that we're recording it on. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the art. Because usually he has really good artists working with him. Yeah, uh, Jerome Pena, I think, makes his characters gaunt, a little too gaunt-looking, stretched out, you know, uh, long in the face. Bruce Campbell, Army of Darkness, when he yeah. gets sucked out. Oh, yeah, when he gets sucked into the neck of Comic-Con. Glad to. Glad to. Necronomicon. <laughs> I can't say it this episode. I can't talk this yeah, episode. You can't it's established. Say anything? No, I can't. But all I can say <laughs> is that, uh, man, uh, it's. I'm. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a really big story. It's going to involve characters that I'm pretty sure haven't existed because I don't know ex nihilo. I don't know what that is. Well, we're not even sure you're saying it right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But, um, you know, it, it'll be a big story, and uh, I'm excited to see how he throws in his graphic design into his work with the Avengers. Hmm. Chris? Chris? I'm actually looking forward to a book from Dark Horse Comics. It is a spinoff from the Buffy series. It is Willow Wonderland number two. And I'm looking forward to number two because I didn't know number one had come out. I ordered it, but I never got it. So I'm going to have to have a long talk with my comic book guy. And the talk's basically just going to be like, Hey, can you give me issue number one? Okay, thanks. Um, written by Jeff Parker, art by Brian Shing. This is going to be about Will trying to bring magic back to the world as it's been gone ever since the destruction of the seed oh. in uh, Buffy Season 8. hate it when they destroy the seed. I know. They destroy all those seeds. Much like I'm ready to destroy this next beer. And I have that next beer in front of me. This next one comes from Shock Top. It's the end of the world midnight wheat. Uh, this is ale brewed with midnight wheat, chocolate malt, chili, and spice. Uh, not necessarily a holiday beer, but it is part of their seasonal collection. And since the world's supposed to end next week, I figured, hey, this will fit in. Oh yeah, we, the we, we could have totally done an end of the world special, shouldn't we? So I, I haven't had it yet, so I'm gonna keep talking while you guys try it, and then once you're ready, I will drink it. Okay, we can still do an episode. <laughs> Nothing is stopping us. Uh, okay. I believe the end of the world is stopping us from doing our end of the world spectacular. We should just do it before it happens. When will we have time? I don't know. I was filling in time for people I, to drink the beer. That's what I was doing. Um, not bad. I don't know. I'd I'd like a little bit more of that, like chili spice. You get a little bit of it. It's, it's. I can't place it. It's like um. I give it like a, a pepper Pepperidge Farm like peppered cracker or something like yeah. that faint mm-hmm. faint taste, but you still get like that wheat beer. I feel uh, right almost the, the spice in the nose, almost like right in yeah. the, you know, but not. It's not clearing like, out the sinuses at all, but it's working its way up. 
mid palate. I get it. Mm. I want this to be really chocolatey and really like yeah. spicy pepper. But we got shock top instead. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's it's one of the beers that I see, and I'm like, oh, that sounded interesting. But then it's like, oh, but it's shock top, so meh. It, it's that kind of label for me, where I'm just like. Oh, interesting idea, but I just kind of feel like the execution will never be there, so I don't bother. I think this is the first time I've ever had Shock Top. Really? No, we had their, uh, the one Shandy, I think. Did did we have the... Maybe? No, no, we had the Saranac Shandy. We had the Saranac Shandy. And I never wanted to touch another Shandy after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we might have had, like, back in the first couple episodes, a shock top or two. I think we have had it on the show, because oh. I know I've had it before, and I've then when I went out somewhere, I saw it. And this is, you guys are the only people I drink with. I've, I've had shock tap at, uh, I can't even, what's that? I don't, never mind. <laughs> Methuselah's. No. No. Zeb's? No. Probably yes, at Zeb. Ponderosa. Also, uh, the one place I see it all. Ponderosa was fucking great, you guys. They're all dead yeah. now, though. Mm-hmm. Died of dysentery. Um, completely random. This has nothing to do with anything we've ever talked about on the show. But have you guys driven up uh, 20A at all and seen that billboard? It's like a picture of a guy looking at a chicken wing. No. no. And it says, like, 50% of chick- uh, buffalo chicken is contaminated with feces. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a made-up number? Or is that true? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Did you check I, the internet? I don't remember what website it was trying to get me to go to, but I just remember looking at it and being like, "That wing doesn't look like it has poop on it." Yeah, but they weren't. I would talking. eat it. I, I listened to a report on NPR and, about and you, this. You, you do Jankum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do all that Jankum. It's gross. like fire anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but the report was. Uh, about uh, buying like chicken, like raw chicken from like supermarkets in the area, and doing analysis of what was on them oh, before well. cooking. Well, I cook all my chicken before I mm-hmm. eat it because, and they're trying to bring up uh, the the thing that uh, the meat manufacturers aren't uh, being as cleanly or as careful as possible. It doesn't matter; nobody cares. No, no, as long as you as People cook their food, and that's why the guidelines are the guidelines they are. That's yeah. why we all eat overcooked meat. I'm probably going to get some overcooked meat when we finish the show tonight. Mm-hmm. Can't hurt. Well, can't taste good when it's overcooked. Can't hurt. <laughs> it won't hurt you. But comic books, we talk about them on our show, and we're going to talk about some more for you on our show. And uh, we're we going to be reviewing X-Men 38, brought to us by the lovely... Paul, <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't uh, write this book by or draw it. Seth Peck and art by Paul. Paul, <laughs> hey, good job, Paul. No, nope. Oh. Definitely no me. I have no artistic yeah. skill. I'm married. Artistic skill. As a teka, as a teka. Um, Paul, you wanna? Uh, this was just one of those. We were talking before uh, this episode, we did this episode, and we're like, oh, man, like, no real number ones came out this month. Uh, you know, no real new story arcs, nothing that really caught my eye. And I was then brought, went back to my stack of books, because since I've done this podcast, uh, I stack up my books by the month and don't, you know, nerd organize them like I should by true, series. True, true, I don't do it uh, either. 
So I, I was yeah, flipping I through, and I'm like, wait a second. This was kind of a fun read. Nothing spectacular about it, but it's a fun team-up of Daredevil uh, getting wind of a villain party and uh, crashing it, and who happens to already be there trying to uh, poison people and make them choke? Domino. She's there to win money. Yeah, where was she poisoning people? She was winning money and also causing people to choke. Not poisoning. (laughs) But... Remember how the guy flipped it, and she's like, "Oh, another lucky break for me." He starts choking. Ah, uh, yes, because she has luck he flicked powers. the olive from his yeah. martini up, and he caught it, and it started to choke him. Okay, so I exaggerate <laughs> with the poisoning. <laughs> yes, and she's at a she's at a uh, underground villain casino mm-hmm. where villains can you know go in with their ill-gotten gains and bet, and sometimes they end up losing their. Death Ray and Wings and other tech stuff that would be worth money or held for collateral. Um, all in all, it was a fun book. I did en- yeah. I did like it. It. I haven't read any X-Men in a while. So this seemed just a lot more like a Daredevil book than mm-hmm. it did X-Men. It was like Daredevil with Domino in it because I have uh, nothing to really compare it to. Here's the thing. I wasn't, after reading this, since the cover is a flip, almost a flip cover, where it could be, because it says Daredevil on the bottom, if you have it upside down, it looks like, oh, it could be, is this a Daredevil cover? And even the artwork is very reminiscent just of the More past so. year of Daredevil, too. It's that kind of matte, like those flat colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it more than I thought I could enjoy an adjectiveless X-Men book. But we enjoyed the Brian Wood stuff. Yeah, I haven't read any more of it, though. Yeah. Um, but that's why, you know, I, since the Brian Wood stuff, I've been keeping up with this title. And this is like those uh, couple fill-in issues. And it took me until issue 39 that came out uh, this week to realize, oh, yes, it was definitely an X-Men book then because it has Domino on the cover. Um, and it's Domino's not an X-Men character that I know much about or care much about because she came out in that time where I wasn't reading X-Men. <laughs> She's one of those X-Men characters that came out during that time when they were like, hey, X-Men are selling, let's put out more yeah. X-Men characters. She's basically just like a female long shot almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. She um, she came out, what, like X-Force with Cable and yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess she you know could have her fans. I've never really been one of them because she's could easily just be anybody anybody mm-hmm. um fun book the one thing is and i did enjoy it and it's just like the nerd nitpicking mm-hmm. like didn't altogether get daredevil right uh right and, because and, we're and such in a down in the dump crazy daredevil right now and it no but it's just like the his powers like he sees that there's a um, the control panel to enter in the keys to get into the door. But the keys to hit are lit up. Why would they be lit up? Why would he know that, that that's those just were his, the keys? That's his radar sense. You're seeing it through there. Yeah, but why would it hit those... Why would it be those numbers? I don't understand what you're saying with that. Well, he could feel he, the yeah, he heat feel, off the light. He could also feel which ones have been pressed the most. Mm-hmm. He's not feeling, though. He sees it. He's using his radar sense. Yeah. Like, all right, I guess his fingers are there, but I don't know. Like, there's and there was just like a couple other little things. That it's nerd nitpicky. It's nerd nitpicky. I enjoyed the book, but, but that at will the same happen. time, right. I was just kind of like, 
It's an X-Men writer writing a Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't spot on what you get over in Daredevil, but I think, I think if it's a, still a fun story. It still kind of fits in with that. It's just not up to what you get with Mark Wade. Yeah, I, I can totally, totally understand your point because whenever they did a Young Avengers uh, Runaways crossover, I could never get into it because none of the characters ever felt <laughs> right to me. So I, I, I think it's just a flaw of the you know crossover or a team up book. You know where one of the characters don't call it a team up though, Paul. At the end, you can start calling. They, okay, they, they definitely it does, call it. Yeah. It does feel like a team up. But I would read. X-Men 39. Yeah, I would probably read 39, and if that was it, I, I'd be okay. I have 39. <laughs> I, I wouldn't need to read any more of this. But. And speaking of characters not feeling like what you would expect them to feel like or be like, what I'm worried about most is the world's greatest comic magazine, Fantastic Four, number one. Written by? Written by Matt, Matt Fraction, Fraction, art by Mark Bagley. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bagley art uh, I thought would turn me off from this book. It actually wasn't uh, wasn't as bad as I was horrifically uh, terrified of. Yeah, his, there we go. He has a way of drawing faces that everyone's kind of very similar. Yeah, I um, thought I hated his stuff on uh, what was it? Not Countdown. What was the thing after Trinity? Trinity. Oh. I just couldn't get into Trinity at all because of it. But these characters still look like Mr. Fantastic. They I, look like Sue Storm. I think it's a case that he has more time now. He's not mm-hmm. doing a book that comes out weekly yeah. or twice a month. So I think he can take his time a little bit more with the artwork, and I think it does definitely show. Especially in the background, since even yeah. that kind of work, which is important for the Fantastic Four work because it has the truth in Kirby, you know, with the crazy backgrounds and crazy you know crazy tech and everything that you want to be on the page um and honestly i didn't feel like the characters were that far off from what i've been used to reading reed is still always consumed by something else that's going on but will always come back to the family well what's this book about because you haven't talked about okay. it at all yet uh so right now we got uh it starts off uh millions of, or thousands of years in the past where the Fantastic Four are trapped inside a dinosaur mouth. And they're finding their way out of it, and then, boom, and back at home, uh, you Reed's have... wounded. Back at home, you have Franklin having a nightmare, and um, and missing his parents, and then by breakfast time, uh, the Fantastic Four are back. And at home, and Reed has been wounded in their travels, and is worried about something. And, and the uh, fact that I think that scares him the most is that doesn't happen because he's a pretty resilient guy. Yeah. And he's made of rubber. His, mm-hmm. his body's actually starting to break down. And his studies have shown, or testing, I should say, that it's going to be happening to everybody. So he needs to find a way to stop that. And the problem is there's no way in the known universe of doing this. Mm-hmm. So this... Uh, run of comic book of Fantastic Four will be getting the Fantastic Four, that first astronaut family, back into space. Uh, and the dynamic will be that Franklin's one wish because of his nightmare was not to go into space because he's just dreading something really bad happening. 
Paul, you've been a big Fantastic Four fan for the past couple of years now. I, I think I've been a fantastic Fantastic Four fan. You, you have. You've, you've, <laughs> okay. put, you've put forth the effort. Oh, um, even better. Thank you. Um, what did you think about this? Uh, I was happily surprised. I thought there would have been a huge drop-off from the Jonathan Hickman stuff. It's not... It doesn't right away grab you with that huge epic story, but there's still got that family dynamic there, and that tension between exploring and family is really being brought to a forefront here in the story. I'm sorry to say forefront, but it's there. And I'm kind of excited to see that balance, because that's what I love most about the Fantastic Four, is they're a family, and having that struggle of being a family while having to have an adventure makes sense. And, okay, well, at any time they could just stop adventuring, right? Well, not when death is on the line. You know, if you're battling with a Sicilian, you know, battle with a Sicilian, death is <laughs> on the line. You are going there. You know, you, you, death is on the line. You can't do that. But, you know, so you can't stop exploring when, when uh, if they stop, they would put the whole family at risk. So... That's that's my thoughts about it. Okay, just because for I like me, the Fantastic Four outfits. Yeah. I, you know, I never really, I haven't really paid attention, but I like the new outfits. The white, the white, the, the future lines. foundation. Yeah, they're a little bit more updated here, or a little different here than than what you'd have, you've gotten. I mm-hmm. I like it. A little bit more lines. For me, it, it just read like any other Fantastic Four books, and that's nothing against Matt Fraction or Jonathan Hickman. It's just. I'm not a big enough Fantastic Four fan to read one and have it really jump out at me, I guess. Right. This does feel like a step down, but not such a big step down that I thought we might be getting. Yeah, it was... I, I like Matt Fraction. Uh, like, it took a long I, I time for Hickman's run to actually, like, step on up and build up and build up. And you knew he was... He just felt the clicking of that roller coaster... Those first couple issues are like Paul finally went on a roller coaster. He knows what that's like, and you know, and he knew it was ramping up. He knew it was ramping up. It was slow, and there was a lot of story going on. But okay, and then the next story was like that's a lot of stuff, and it has nothing to do with the last issue. Click, and this next issue, that's that's a lot too, and there's nothing to do with the last story either. Click. Man, how is he going to bring this all together? Click, click, and then once it started all coming together and everything was happening, you were just on that run for that almost two years. And so here, it doesn't feel like that kind of anticipation building a story. You know what the story's going to be. You know where the conflicts are. And I want to see those played out. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I do think it's a step down from what we had before, but I don't think it's bad. But is it too early to judge? I mean, it's issue one, and as you said, it took a couple clicks for right. the, you know, with your, your absolute favorite, no matter what Jonathan Hickman, greatest Fantastic Four run, run ever. It was really good. Marvel Knights 4 is still one of my favorite ones, and also the other Marvel Knights 4. It's very crazy <laughs> how, how Marvel has two... Marvel Knights 4, 1, 2, 3, 4 was really good. I really enjoyed it. It's a four-issue miniseries for Marvel Knights, and then when they brought back Marvel Knights during the early 2000s, 
uh, with Steve McNiven on art. Like those first couple story arcs were really good for whatever they really hit home with me for whatever reason. It got me back into Marvel comic books. Really, those and then the Jonathan Hickman entire run. Those are my top three Fantastic Four runs. Who wrote that? The Marvel. Uh, Roberto Alguire Soroka, I believe is his Soroka, name. Yeah. Hmm. Can look it up because I'm not sure of the last part of the name. But uh, this this might not break it into that top three starts here for Marvel Night uh, for Fantastic Four. Uh, but and I mean, like it, it like, will be a like, good series. Like Chris said, it's a Fantastic Four issue. Mm-hmm. Why this couldn't be Fantastic Four? What was the issue after their yeah? There's, I mean, I, six, I don't, I don't think 15, there's a reason six, to restart it at one because it is just a continuation. But you got a, a our evolution, our evolution. It's a Marvel now. Yeah, it's their new. It's the initiative. It's we could have said the same thing about Green Lantern number one or Batman number one. Why is it? Yeah, uh, number one here, it could just be the next one of that Detective Comics book. But they also said they're all they're starting all their books with a one, right? And Marvel, and, and all right, so this, Marvel said, oh, with the Revolution, yeah, mm-hmm. Marvel now certain all, books are starting are I think, all books. No, it's just some of them. Yeah. So why this? Why one? this one? Because it's Fantastic Four and it's been getting big sales numbers and it's. Now a new creative team, and people were probably worried to drive those numbers back up with a number one. Oh, that takes us right into uh, FF number one. A lot more fun. Yes. Uh, I didn't really enjoy this one until the end, uh, which is weird, because this one also written by Matt Fraction, uh, art by Mike Alred. And, man, I picked this for uh, my uh, list one week, and it, it's just Mike Alred on art adds so much fun and John and I talked about this and he was right he said man he gets visual gags yeah Michael Red gets the idea of comic books and having visual gags in them even in the very beginning when you have uh, Val and Franklin trying to explain to somebody what the future for future foundation is and in this book you got interviews with the kids about what they think the future foundation is and also the main four from Fantastic Four going out to talk to Basically, they're replacements for the Fantastic Four. You got Reed talking to Ant-Man. You got uh, Johnny Storm waking up and being like Darla, who's his uh, long-standing girlfriend, um, who's Miss Thang, uh, talking to her. And you got Sue Storm talking to Medusa. And, of course, you got the ever-loving Blue-Eyed Thang talking to the lovely and talented and presidential She-Hulk. <laughs> um, fun. It, it is. It's a. It's a fun book. Um, I think I liked this better than the Fantastic Four. Um, and a lot of it, I do. I'm all around just Mike mm-hmm. Allred fan. Like I love. I love the art in it. Um, and I do agree. Like with the kids, they're wearing their Future Foundation suits with the numbers, and there is that digital name tag oh, yeah. put on them. I hate that. And. Like I understand, like why that's there versus like just having an arrow point to who who's who, or well, it, just have people look in the front, see who it is. I know it's for 
No, you don't yeah. even need to do a digital. He could have drawn he that in. Tra- for me, that wasn't that was an afterthought. It was one of those things mm-hmm. that after the art was drawn, it was like, oh, you know what? This is this person meeting the kids. Mm-hmm. He's not going to know who they are. Right. Yeah. Let, let's let's have them have name tags on. And at that point, it's probably too late to go back into the art. So it's just like, oh, we can have someone, you know, 23 skidoo them up in sh- uh, Photoshop. I feel like I've seen that with Michael Rudd's art before, adding in digital elements to it that are that don't really fit with the art. Because for me, it doesn't it fit at all. Like, yeah. It's it, it, so copy pasted on. Yeah, and it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like a, a Mike Allred thing. But okay. I, I, I mean, I could I could be wrong. I didn't read his X Force. Even though I, I kind of always wanted to, um, but yeah, it doesn't seem like it altogether fits with his other style. indie creator that was brought into Marvel during the ni- early nineties, Brian Michael Bendis. Just just showing you that engine. Yeah, that but I was he, talking about. But he also does work over at yeah, DC, and he still does stuff over at Image. Yeah, not exclusive. And Dark Horse, mm-hmm. he does whatever he wants to do. Yeah, he Mike Allred. He's, he's a name. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun book. It's these characters bringing in the other characters, and how much fun was it? Is it fun enough for number two? Um, I would check out number two of uh, FF before I would read number two of Fantastic Four. Yes, right. I would agree. And as much as I like Mike Allred, uh, I, I could not read it again and just be happy that he's on a book because it does you do really need to read both of these books if you want to find out what's happening with fantastic four right because you have fantastic four leaving off with hey check out ff number one to find out what happens and they're shipping like every other week too Mm -hmm. it seems so they very much go hand in hand yeah but i'm gonna say this not to do a yeah but but there it is uh if you just wanted to know the adventures of Ant-Man, She-Hulk, Miss Thing, and Medusa with the Future Foundation, I'm pretty sure you could get that story. Yeah, you can, but if you want to find out... I don't think you lost anything the, if you read the whole Fantastic Four. Right. Like, what Future Foundation and everything. Mm-hmm. Because it's very much hinging on just Mr. Fantastic yeah. guilt-tripping Scott Lang into everything. Right. And all, and you knew why he was skip tripping him into it. In that I didn't know. Alone. I didn't know Cassie Lang was dead. When did that happen? Uh, uh, that happened in some sort of Young Avengers crossover stuff. I don't know. It, it wasn't a Young Avengers crossover. I buy those. <laughs> <laughs> what well, did it happen in Young Avengers? So then, when did it happen? I, it I don't happened know. just for that issue. No, it, it had to be in something. Like she might. Stetcher was awesome. Yeah, I was kind of saddened by that. Well, not as saddened as Scott Lang was. Well, don't worry. We have Young Avengers number one coming out in uh, two months. I'm picking that one up for us to review. There we go. So in two months? Yeah. How do you know these comic books are coming out so far Be- ahead of time? Because I order them, and I just ordered oh. number two in this month's previews. <laughs> How can you? The, they, they ship three months early. That that are, I'm sorry, comic. I, I'm a Wednesday shopper. And I, the only time I look ahead for what books I'm going to pick oh, Paul, is for this podcast. This that completely just remind me. In the new previews, there is a new book coming out from. Uh, Don't tell me. Andy Diggle and Jock over at Image. Oh, damn, I'm going to need to pick that yeah. up. Yeah. What is it called? Uh, Snapshot. It. Yeah, something like called. that. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's... I knew about it because I do the previews. 
I know, but that sounds awesome. <laughs> yes, it's called. It's by these two guys. It's called Snapshot. It sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, because it's by Andy. It's written by Andy Dingle. Art by Jock. It sounds great. Come on. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to remember to tell you that, and I completely forgot until right now. Hey, next book is one that I brought. This actually came out more than a month ago. Uh, this wasn't a November book. This came out back during October, but we never got a chance to actually talk about it on the show. So. Uh, we brought it on board for that, and it's talent number one from over at DC Comics, uh, written by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV, art by Gilliam March. Uh, what we have here is continuing the story of Gesundheit. I don't think that was on the... Uh, well, it's okay. Paul sneezed, I sneezed, so there you go. I tried uh, to back away enough, so if you heard it on the podcast, I'm sorry. Continuing the uh, story of Calvin Rose, the... Runaway Talon from the Zero issue that you heard us talk about on the uh, September look back. Uh, this is kind of what I wanted Batwing to be. Really? Yeah. When I picked up Batwing, I thought it was going to be more like this. A Batman book without a Batman in it. Um, you have here the story of the Talon Calvin being brought back into Gotham to go up against the Court of Owls, which he doesn't want to do, but he's kind of not being suckered into it, but... He needs to go there for himself to check out if they're actually gone or not. Yeah, but then he gets drawn further in. Yeah. By this mysterious person who probably was once an owl himself, because he looks like one. Well, he does. No, his father wrote about the owls. he, He looks like one, and he makes mention of... You know, selling the computer a, software. A, like someone uh, stole all the uh, Court of Owls resources, and that, he's got like, was, this super secret layer. That was Lincoln March. No, right. Lincoln March is the person that stole all the money from. Did he? Yes, it was talked about in the end of Batman. Like that's why. That's how remember, Bat, That's how Batman that figured it out because Batman's like, well, where did all this money go? Well, who's benefiting from? Just having the quarter of owls all be dead. This is a long play. Who's the only one left? Because he was still a part of the court, right? I have he to was, reread that. I don't remember that. He was part of the court, and it was all and made himself into a talon. Remember? Big, uh, and that's when he becomes I the talon. They made and beats. him into a talon because he was like the perfect kind of way to be a talon. But they didn't make him. They didn't kill him and resurrect him. Because he was going to be the face for the operational face for the owls to become mayor and be the actual figurehead that runs Gotham. That's legitimate, the public face for the court. He knows this. He's in the court of owls, but he's kind of operating outside, and he develops this whole scheme to have the knight of the owls attack Batman, them lose. Have them set up so that they all die. How do you plan on them ha- losing? Because it was a pretty big play on their part. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, but I have to. Know, I have to reread all of this. One, now. if you live in Gotham, what do you always do? You bet, bet on, on Batman. You bet on Black. Yes, the Dark Knight. Uh, so he bets on that. And even if okay, let's say the plan follows through for for the Court of Owls, he's still the figure, the top man. Like the person going to be put in charge, the mayor, the figurehead. 
So he's not losing anything. Even if he lost, if this whole gambit lost, he lost this at this whole gambit to Bat, to Batman, or if Batman lost, meaning he lost, then he didn't lose anything at all. He's still exactly where he was. But if Batman wins, now he can suck the Empire dry, set himself up, and then take revenge on his brother. I'm putting that in quotes. Batman. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. That's the whole point of the Court of the Owls and why he was kind of like, oh man, this is a really scary villain. And that's why Scott Snyder is such a great writer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I have to reread it because I don't remember any of that stuff. It's all there. I I know, that's why I have to reread it. The last two issues. That's me saying, okay, going to. Maybe I didn't read that second issue. No, I didn't. No, no. Go back and read the last two. I think that's where it all is. I think I should go back and read all of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. It's good to read. It's good to read. And his it, Joker it, stuff it, is great. Yes. It's it's better yes. than Talon. Talon? You didn't like it, Paul? Uh, wasn't a big fan. Mostly because I just don't care. Don't no. care. It's it's definitely seemed like for a second I'm like, oh, there's now only 12 Talons left. And I'm like, oh, no, I just didn't do the math. There's 16. I'm like, this sets it up for a perfectly numbered run. 16 issues, because you get to face one talent per issue that you're hunting down. And this is, it's going to be such, in its own little microcosm, of him going after these talents that I'm already tired of. But Night of the Owls was an awesome story, and they worked well because the story was building, and it was that story. Now you take him over and make it into something else that won't have Batman in it, that won't have all the other characters in it because it's going to operate against somebody that against a group that's already served its purpose then I'm done you know yeah but I mean you could say that about any Batman villain that had come in you know like oh we already saw them do this you've already seen Joker do something like I don't need to see him again in a uh, Batman book well like no because he's facing Batman who I care about but I I you know what I mean? Uh, I understand. If I do were... understand with the Joker in this analogy, yes. But, uh, like, Court of Owls is a bigger group, you know? It's like, like an, uh, I, want, I don't want to say, like, an Injustice League or something like that. But they're a bigger entity. Yeah. And to have them branch out and, you know, oh, they're licking their wounds for this long until they can appear again in a Batman book, I like that they're on this... They're outside of other people using them, and it's kind of drawn out with Scott Snyder and James Tillion. Like, I I do like that they have a plan to go with them, and I like where they're going with this book. You know, it does have that kind of Batman Beyond, the young apprentice and the older man, who the older man's got the plan, Mm -hmm. and the younger guy's got the ability and not just the know-how, but, I mean, he's got the skills to follow through with the older man's plan. But he doesn't have the drive, and he keeps on trying to just, he's an escape, they keep on describing him as an escape artist and trying to get out of the situation. And it's making it hard Are for me to work for him. Are you talking about zero issue? No, even in this issue. The old man says, oh, you're the escape artist, you're always running away. You, I save your life, and you kick a thing, and you try to escape. It makes it hard for me to root for this character, because I'm like, 
well, then why doesn't he leave? And then the old man says, because that one girl that you liked and saved once, she's also being targeted. It's like, all right. The, the innocent people that he tried to save. Yeah. Yeah, the people that he was supposed to kill and he didn't mm-hmm. do, and that's what led him to run mm-hmm. away from. Hey, the how court. many times can he save somebody's life before it's up to them to save their own? I don't know. Ask Superman and Lois Lane. <laughs> and they're just normal people. Why, why did Batman and everyone try to stop the Night of the Owls? Because Be- they were attacking themselves. Because it was the right thing to do. He doesn't want to see this woman and her kid die. You already saved him once. He allowed her to grow up and have a kid. It's up to them now. <laughs> uh, aside from Paul, <laughs> um, I did. I'm I just d- saying, by ADT <laughs> security system. Reed Richards doesn't need to know any more science. He's he's already done all the he science. Doesn't need to find new dimensions to go to. He's, he's already found them all. He's already, That's already he's like he's already saved his more. kids enough times. Who cares? Because they're his kids. He has a link to them. He, he, he has a, I don't understand this link he has to this a link girl. To, he was supposed to kill him. He didn't. Now he's, right. he's responsible for them. Really? Forever? Jeepers, creepers. Why would you want to save anybody? If you're responsible for them forever. Like your kids. <laughs> exactly. I have a dog. Yeah, That's you brought home a dog. You're, res- you're, you're responsible, responsible for him now. You you went. You you paid for him. You took oh, him man. home. Yeah. And now this dog is with you until you die, or the I, dog dies. Oh man, I stopped a homeless person from scrambling out in the street and getting hit by a car. Saved his life. Now I got to bring him a sandwich every day. Paul, if you were about to kill that homeless person, <laughs> wouldn't you feel a little bit responsible for him? No, because <laughs> what? You're, you're, you, I was about to you had to go slit that homeless person's throat, and then you looked at him. You're like, "He's so cute. I want to adopt him." But I didn't say I wanted to adopt him. I said, I, "No, you know what? I'm just not going to kill this person." And someone else right behind you was going to kill that homeless person, Paul. And I stopped them. Man, I'm a badass. You know uh, what I mean, though. Like. I, I, I wasn't sold on that. That you're not old, a hero. You're a Slytherin. <laughs> I know. I guess so. But I was just, that just one sentence didn't sell it to me for this escape well, artist, this guy that was constantly running away, because he's constantly running away thing. from things, and he's saying, "I'm going." And here's the thing: he's constantly having to run away. Mm-hmm. This is his opportunity to stop running away, and he says that doing this. Means you don't have you won't have to run anymore. We shut them down; they're done. Mm-hmm. You can rest. They're not going to be going after these people. Who really you changed your course of your life by saving them. Mm-hmm. Now you just let them die again. You just let them get killed because you're running away. What was why? Why did you throw your life away? You do this. You finally save them because you haven't saved them. You've just prolonged their life for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You do this, you say you actually save them. You doing this was worth something. You can take them out, and you can finally stop running. You can get along with your life. 
You, you do a great job selling that. Maybe if that's what that old guy said. It that's, is what that's he That's what says. happens in the book, Paul. He he's, doesn't say it quite as well as John did. <laughs> For whatever reason, me knowing John, it touched me. In. <laughs> do, do you need to just read the page where it, he says all of that? He says it. Go ahead. Okay. And your best old man voice. I'm not going to do an old man voice. Save that for the Christmas special. Yeah, ready? I'm running away. I'm getting out of Gotham. It was a mistake to come here at all. I'm not, I'm not going to read this whole page, but it's all right here, Paul. I know I know it's there. I, for whatever reason, that moment on the page just didn't sell me that this character, who's constantly on the run, he just wanted to check if the owls were really dead, that would stop him mid-tracks and be like, no, I'm going to hunt them all down now. Because he's been on the run his entire life. You know, it's yeah. I wouldn't say he's been on his run his entire life. Well, from zero issue on to this number one, I don't know how much time has passed. I will grant it; it's a nitpicky thing, just as John has your nitpicky thing with the character thing. It's one of those moments where it just didn't ring true. It didn't hook me, and that was the moment that was supposed to hook me. And I know that's the moment. That's this is a this is a make it or break it point for this book. If this page here hooks me, and I feel like that character does, and I'm ready to suit up and buy issue two, then I'm in. If this doesn't, if that doesn't happen, then issue two is going to stay on the shelf. That suit is going to stay on the shelf. And for me, that's what happened. I'm leaving that. I'm like, no, I'm cool. So what was it that hooked you for Fantastic Four number one? It's Fantastic Four. Well, but there wasn't a page. There wasn't a moment. Uh, the moment where he says, he comes back and says, Sue, I know I left abruptly. Let me apologize. You, uh, but I Paul, have you an have, amazing idea. You have nothing hinging on that moment either, though. It's that family moment that I always Is look for in Fantastic Four. the moment where he apologizes to his wife <laughs> to get her on his good side <laughs> so then he can talk her into going out, to going space. out in space but lying for the reason to do that. Mm-hmm. That's Fantastic Four. He's He's Mr. Fantastic Four. He's a liar. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Dick. Mr. Fantastic's a dick. For whatever reason, I don't know why those some moments hook me in comic books and some moments don't. I'm just, that was the make it or break it moment there. And for whatever reason, that, like, oh, this is what the story is going to be about now. It's going to be about this family going out, having these adventures, but staying, but always having to balance and bring that family with them. That's what? that's what hooked me there. All right, if you were gonna, if, if Paul was going to write a Talon book, I'm not a writer. Why would right, I do this? Paul, what would okay. what would make you what would make you want to pick this book up? It needs to be more tied in to the rest of what is happening in Batman, because it's coming out of Batman, and since it's going to be so on its own. I think it's going to be missing that. It's going to be the only Bat Family book that isn't part of the Bat Family. But I, I'm, you know what, what I mean. I, I don't need any. I don't. We don't need any more Bat Family. That's the thing. I read Batman. I read Nightwing. Mm-hmm. I read Red Hood, which is even on the outskirts of it. Will you read Talon? Yeah, I'm. I've already read number two. I'm. I've got three and four coming. Like okay. Talon, there's enough there because it's different enough. I don't need another Batman, Are you Bat reading family it book. In the back of your mind, thinking this is going to be a limited 
series? I, I'm reading it for as long as I'm into it. Okay. Like, if it gets really crummy, I'll drop it. I won't read any more. But I'm not reading it just thinking, oh, no, it's only going to be six issues or 12 issues. Yeah. If it stays this good, I'll, I'll keep buying it. I've already dropped Batwing. I bought three issues of that, and I was like, mm-hmm. I can't do this. Yeah. I bought three issues of Talon, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm looking forward to number three. And and I'm the same way. And it's if Chris were to drop Red Hood and the Outlaws, because mm-hmm. Chris and I order off the same book, if I noticed that he wasn't ordering it, I'd mark it down and I would mm-hmm. order it. And the same, I think the same thing with Talon. Like, I've read one and two. I... I liked them. I liked where they're going with it. I don't want this book, and this book shouldn't be in the Bat Family book. Okay. Like, in the Bat Family kind of series. Like, yes, it's characters out of that, but it's characters out of that. Like, I, I don't know, like, oh, here's my old friend Bruce Wayne to come help the day. Like, I don't know how they would tie it how in. How they would tie that in. Mm-hmm. Because Batman probably be like, you're a talent, I'm going to be a dick about it until you pr- you do something good in front of my eyes, and then I'll be like, all right. Azrael? You're okay. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't need a the Bat family in here. I don't need to pick up this book. <laughs> I just, you know, there's... I, that's all I'm saying. Oh yeah, you know, and, and I'm sorry that if I came across a little too strong on my argument, no, or something. I, I, I don't know. You have all the right in the world not to spend my three dollars, spend your three dollars, and not to like it. We just were wondering where it's coming from. It's not. It, See, for me, he's very much the flip side of Nightwing because they both came from pretty much the exact same place. Mm-hmm. They were both bred to do the same thing. You've got Nightwing, especially since we. They established that Nightwing was going to be yeah. an owl himself. He was our talent. Nightwing, you know, changed his stripes. He became more proactive. You've got a character learning to do that. Mm-hmm. This is him. Like, I, I could leave, just keep on running, or put up the fight, end this once and for all, mm-hmm. and be done with it. Right, I, and that's what it's coming down to. I, I, I want to see him making that stand. You want to see him make that flip, that that change. And right now, he's at that other side where I just couldn't find myself rooting for this character as I'm reading it. I found myself kind of annoyed with what he was doing, more so than rooting for him. Because he was kind of like just saying, oh, I shouldn't have come here. I, you know, this... It's what You know, he was just that person that just is trying to escape the situation. And I understand where you're saying that is the hook for you, is you want to see him flip and change who he is, and it's $3. I'm, I'm picking that's Fantastic $3 that's going to go towards Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. <laughs> exactly. Actually, is Fantastic Four three ninety nine? No, I think it's two ninety nine. It's I don't know which one. That might be a three ninety nine book, actually. Two ninety nine. Okay. Two ninety nine. Okay. Good. Um, it's horrible uh, that I don't check these prices when I buy them. Talon, mm-hmm. which had a zero issue that I think fit as a number one, and this is like another, and Talon mm-hmm. one is a number two. Uh, we're going to review Phantom Stranger number one again. This is one that came out last month that we didn't um, we didn't review mm-hmm. just because other of, of other things and because we were all very down on number zero. 
Exactly. Number Zero did not do this book's justice because I really liked what Dan DiDio and Brett Anderson did with Phantom Stranger number one. It reads like a number one. The Zero issue just didn't fill any kind of anything. It was a origin story for Phantom Stranger in the New 52. And it yeah. made it awkward. And it just wasn't good. We reviewed it for what? Uh, Talking about September? a character you can't mm-hmm. root for. Judas. <laughs> Who can root for Judas? Um, but with this, it has the Phantom Stranger leading um, fan favorite Titan from the old DC Raven. Um back to her father and being a little manipulative not telling her the whole truth and kind of leading her from a runaway back to her fa- her father to learn how to use her powers mm-hmm. and to get to that point where she escapes again to join the Teen Titans where she, she was in the Titans now? No, no. I'm just saying No, 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 old- I was asking Chris because I'm not sure what where we are with in, the Titans anymore. In the old anymore. 52, mm-hmm. you know, she... Right, right. Or the old DC continuity. Mm-hmm. And it's a character that you haven't seen in the new 52, and this is kind of... It's our first appearance, and you know that you're going to get to see her sometime soon. And uh, I enjoyed it. I, I was not looking forward to this number one, because I had pre-ordered it. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Um, because I figured if we do the zero, if it's good or not, we should have the number one to talk about. And I was really surprised on how I actually like this book. It's a quick read. Yeah, I actually I like this a lot more than the zero issue. I still think it's like up there with like the rest of the stuff that I've really latched onto from the uh, new fifty two. But I, I think that's just because the Phantom Stranger is just one of those characters that can't really do anything in his own book right he the whole point of this book was basically him taking raven to where you know the powers wanted her to be and the book is a lot more just hinging on raven as a character (laughs) and and i think that's how a phantom stranger book should be right it should be him getting other characters to where they're supposed to be I can understand that, but I think where Phantom Stranger really has this like powerful impact in a story is when he's that side character and he shows up and he's like, "No, shit is going to go down, and I'm here to do this one thing. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but this is what I have to do." And then the later reveal later on in the story kind of proves the Phantom Stranger's action correct and right and that turns the tide like when he showed up uh, even in like the big crossovers yeah like uh, Crisis Crisis or, or even in DC uh, New Frontier when they they bring all the magical mystic characters together and like we don't this is going to be a new time and a new realm and us this magical characters were at an end like that kind of thing. Like having him show up like in Teen Titans and bringing Raven away, and this being an issue of Teen Titans, like yes, all right, awesome. that would make the most sense for this character. But they've given him a book. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where 
you if you're going to have a book about him, mm-hmm. be it that he leads those characters to where they're supposed to be right. for a future date. And I just think it's a disservice to the character to have him playing second fiddle in every issue of his own book. Yeah. Because that if as much as I enjoy this, it was more because was I'm Raven. a Teen Titans fan. I like Raven. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, one of my favorite Titans, but I enjoyed seeing her pop up. But it's a lot of the Phantom Strangers just being like, no, I, I got to do this. I'm going to do it. I, I don't know why. I'm just, I'm told to do it. And then they throw in, spoilers, book's been out since uh, October, October, November, whenever. November, November. Um, October. They, they throw in the fact that he has a family on the side now. Like he has a secret identity. Mm-hmm. Philip. Which, How do you uh, they're going to try to... Phantom Stranger. Phantom Try to PH bring you Philip. in with that. And it's just... I don't know enough about that family. To care? To care at this point. Oh, man. Not knowing enough about a character... To care about a character? Crazy! Well, you only get two pages of them. Right. We had a zero issue. And you're just basically... Oh, he's got a family. And that that's it. He's got to protect that family from now on. Does he? We don't know who that family is. Are they real? Did he make them? Uh, issue two, you do have the family, a little more family um, heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, not a great issue, but ends with the Spectre going to be making an appearance. And the third issue is Spectre and Phantom Stranger kind of showdown. But you had Pandora Jim, uh, in number two. Jim Corrigan. Right? As the Spectre. Yes, she, she shows up in number two, too. Because with issue zero, you had the three at the tribunal, the, the Shazams. Uh, yeah. Who are the higher power, but not the highest power? I don't get it. Talking about, like, CEO, like, org chart or comic book <laughs> yeah. care, comic book companies... <laughs> The comic book character organizational chart for the highest power is even more confusing. Their hierarchy is pretty crazy. And also the lowerarchy, because, you know, Tetragon... Demons. Demon. Is he the most powerful demon? No, right? Like, there's other ones? He seems to be pretty in charge right now. He always seems to be pretty um, analogous to what Satan or the devil would be, but... But there always seems to be... There's one above him yeah. or below him or above him, whatever you want to say. Right. Yeah. More powerful. Um, just, I mean, it, Zero Issue did this book no service. Nope. One was good. Two was okay. Probably, I think if I ordered three, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. I might just check it out because it's the first Real appearance of the Spectre. Spectre and it might be interesting, but I'm not I'm not. So with Jim, I'm not waiting on bated breath for it. Wait, with Jim Corgan being the Spectre, does that mean Hal Jordan was never the Spectre? Because nothing was rewritten in Green Lantern continuity, right? For the New Fifty Two, this nerd nitpicking is going to get crazy. No, that's the whole like time frame thing. Yeah, like who knows when these books are even taking place? Yeah. Oh, darn it! Because that's the thing. This could this book could be five years ago after Pandora resets the whole universe. 
in that time, maybe Hal Jordan could have been the Spectre up yeah. till now. Well, he was only the Spectre for a month or a week. And um, she's talking about they they mention in issue two just just to let you guys know they mention issue two her opening up Pandora's box and this being the outcome and she wants to open it again and the Spectre won't let her. Um, Fanfanger won't let her. Hmm. So, yeah. Hard day at the office. But issue one, way better than zero. Yes, but compliment, not much of one. It's not, I think that's a compliment. It's a compliment, but zero was really bad. It was. It so made I was saying me it thrown was... that I was picking this up. Issue one, though... I was kind of like, oh, all right, I don't mind that I ordered issue two. Power rankings. For all these books? Yeah. It's only five books. Let me, let me get the books, because I don't... Okay. Right. Uh, oh, Paul, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first, because I said power rankings, so I already had kind of a power ranking in mind. Uh, FF number one, uh, followed by X-Men, followed by Fantastic Four, then Talon, then Phantom Stranger. John, I'll I'll throw the books to you. Uh, I'm gonna go Talon, X Men, FF number one, Fantastic Four number one, and Phantom Stranger. Uh, yours is probably gonna closely mirror mine because I would say Talon number one first. Uh, then I would actually, yeah, you know what? I would go X Men number thirty eight, FF. And this is where it comes down to Fantastic Four or Phantom Stranger. I really don't care too much. Uh, and actually, I think Either I think way. I would probably put Phantom Stranger over the Fantastic Four. Oh, and but it's calling back his power Phantom, ranking. Phantom Stranger. It's more about the Raven stuff. Yeah, and it's hard to rate this because I know the second issue won't be anything like this because it won't be the same character. So I don't know. But I'd probably say Fantastic... Uh, I'd probably go Phantom Stranger over Fantastic Four. Because there was nothing really in this Fantastic Four that stood out to me. Ben Grimm beating up the kids on Yancey Street? Or getting beat up by the kids on Yancey Street? I, yeah, it, I didn't it, like it, that it part. Reads, really? It reads just like any other Fantastic Four book to me. Mm-hmm. Hey, the, I the only thing that. was like that was the lead-up for Ben Grimm to be like, how do you delete stuff off the internet? Yeah. yeah. An old guy. This whole issue just set up FF number one, which I enjoyed a lot more. <laughs> like it, that's yeah. it. It actually did because it let you know about. I hadn't been reading. I didn't know about <laughs> Johnny Storm's girlfriend, but even the Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four is a kind of a different Johnny Storm that you see in FF. Which is weird because it's the same writer, right? Yeah. But I did like that. What was I supposed to do? He's supposed, he's supposed to ask her about the, ask someone about the thing, and he's hey. like, "You know about the thing, right?" <laughs> okay, yeah, he's not as good as Johnny Storm. Okay, done. <laughs> you're, you're here. You might as well. And he's trying to be really romantic, and then he gets laid, and then he doesn't need to be really romantic anymore. So then he's Johnny Storm again. Uh, come on, that moment where. In, the big deal is him giving out his actual phone number. Happened in Fantastic Four. Yeah. Huh? That's good. Mm. I enjoyed it. But 
that yeah. didn't strike me. I don't know. Hey, things hit different for different people. Yeah, and it's you know, and I, I, I it, not to say that it's always Chris and I very similar and you always very different, but we all have different tastes. Mm-hmm. There's books that I'm a huge fan of that Chris doesn't know why, and there's books that Chris loves, and I'm kind of like, eh. <laughs> and there's books that you and I really like, like Justice League Dark and Demon mm-hmm. Knight. These are great. Yeah. A lot you, of fun. Do you think we're great? Let us know. There's a few ways you can do that. You can always go over to our Facebook page and post what your thoughts are on this show or on your co-hosts. <laughs> or let us know what's happening over on iTunes. Make sure you rate and review us. Paul's a fiend for those rate and reviews. I love him. It's like a dog with bacon strips. He goes nuts. Mm-hmm. Much like Paul's dog actually goes for your nuts now. <laughs> he just jumps up on you. He's he a goes small for dog. Penis. He can't no, help he's it. learned from his father. <laughs> he's learned from watching you guys doing the ball slaps to each other. Yeah, we do that a lot. <laughs> Never really here. Uh... Where else can they reach us? Probably email, right? They can email us, contact at beggingboardcast.com. Or individually, just our name, at beggingboardcast.com. So until next week, have a fantastic one, okay?